Welcome to the Mike Up Much Podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. But Max, we also have the pop culture aficionado on the uh, top with us. We have Shannon House, but Mike. <laughs> yes, that's, Max. <laughs> that's not all. <laughs> oh, Shane, do you want to introduce him? Yes. We have a new guy here who looks like a young Jay Burchell. Really? <laughs> yes. I would go with James Franco. Yeah. I can yeah. See, I can and see and Jay Burchell looks like an emaciated James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> but you look uh, cooler than Jay Burchell, I think. His name is Pasquale, and he's our new uh, segment producer. What, yeah. what, what title would you like, Pasquale? Segment producer works for me. Yeah. Okay, we'll start a segment producer. If you do good, you'll be uh, senior producer. No, junior, then senior, then executive producer one day. But we got to start you, you know, humble. I got to work my way up the ladder. Yeah, that's right. And um, I met Pasquale because uh, I was at Top Man one time about a year ago. And he introduced himself. He recognized me from the Arkells. We started talking, and then we had this mutual uh, love of podcasts. Uh, how did we even? We kept in touch a little bit via email. What's your recollect, recollection of us meeting? Uh, well, it went pretty much like that, and uh, and then I told you what I was doing. That I was a radio broadcast student, and you hooked me up with this potential job opportunity as a music uh, curator for MLSE. Oh. The nut actually sent I me that when forward. The nut sent that around. Yeah, and uh, and then we bumped in again in the summer before the uh, MMVAs. Pasquale, did you get that job as the music curator? I did not. Did you apply for it? I did actually. Oh, nice. Well, oh, the nut, you missed the out. The nut screwed this us over. Good. Yeah. Yeah. The nut doesn't always come through when you think. You yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around for the dessert, and you might hear some more about that. <laughs> and uh, we were thinking we could use a little extra hand because um, you know our track record has shown that I'm. Just about the most useless member of this team. I don't know how to work the computer. I don't know how to work microphones. Nothing on a technical level I can really Max, help with. You know how to work it. I know how to work it, whatever it is. But uh, so I thought, uh, you know, Pasquale has exactly the right um, skills uh, for, uh, to help uh, make our feature interview sound a little bit better and help cut the show, help with the social media stuff. So we're very excited to have you on board. We're thrilled to have you on. You know, everybody's really busy and it's really fun doing this pod and it's going to be awesome to have another set of hands. Yeah, I was talking to Shane last night. We were at the bar and I said, you know, it's good. But, you know, Pascal able to take over some of the things that we're not doing a good job on. And also I'll get good at sort of, sort of being a manager and like telling people what to do. And then I, and then I said, actually... I kind of do that a lot already. And then Shane said, that's all you do, Max. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like Shane in one of the earlier episodes you said like like boss guys like don't know how to do actually anything in the office. It's all delegation. It's yeah. all delegation. Yeah, I don't know how to do a single thing. Yeah, and you never really ask people to do stuff. You just kind of tell them in like a weird way how to do like a passive aggressive way. Passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know the word for it, but yeah. That, oh. You're good at delegating. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's exciting. So uh, you'll you look forward to our social media game getting better, mostly because Mike is going to start tweeting and Pasquale is going to start making sure the episodes are spread better because that was supposed to be my job and I'm just not doing a very and good job. I'm going to try to condense my stories and come in more prepared so there isn't as much editing to do because last week was supposed to be Pasquale's first week. But I, as everyone probably heard, if you listened, I did a nightmarish job <laughs> telling a story, and we didn't want to have that intense load right off the bat. So. We didn't want to hand you that heaping pile of shit <laughs> as your first assignment, so I went in Sorry. and cut it. Hey, Shane, well, uh, in terms of socials and stuff, what do you think about you running the Snapchat account if we had a Mike on Much Snapchat account? 
You I could do it, yeah. Is, Mike, just, do you think it's a good idea? Do you trust Shane? Would I get Shane? fired, though, if something bad happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. We're, yeah, what do you think, Mike? Is that a bad idea, knowing Shane's drinking habits and his... Because uh, last time I fought, saw him on Snapchat, he was like... Simulating oral sex? Yeah, at, at, a, at a karaoke, karaoke bar. With guys trying to sing. <laughs> Those were other people snapping that of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, man, those. it's team effort. This is you know, it's like, uh, yeah, everybody pitch in. Do your all thing. right. Yeah, can you? Uh, do you have a really loyal uh, Snapchat uh, following, or can you no. just make yours a mic on much? I don't have a lot of people on it, but uh-huh. yeah, I, I could probably get more people yeah. if I'm the mic on much guy. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be fun. Done. See, Sweet. delegated, just right there. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you do it, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, thank you. We got that uh, issue solved. Uh, the other thing I am thinking about a lot is the U.S. presidential election. Now, Mike, you read a fair, about a, a fair amount about politics, right? Is there an election going on? <laughs> yes, there is. And Shane, do you read anything about politics? You don't care, right? I'm uh, apolitical, apolitical, as Mike likes to call me. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. He didn't have time for that. So did you watch the debate? But Shane did watch the debate. I, of course I watched the debate. And actually, my uh, my wife was in uh, South Carolina on a work trip, mm-hmm. so I watched the debate like alone. Like I got some food, and it was funny because like at the points where Trump would start to like, because he really likes self congratulating himself, <laughs> yeah. and I always find it so funny that I was by myself cackling, scaring yeah. my cat because I was laughing so hard out loud at the points where he would like explain why he was so great, yeah. And then basically, like, just congratulate himself throughout his whole, like, you know, conversation. Or yeah. His speech. He's like, you know, Hillary, you've you've spent a lot of money on attack ads and you've said some very mean things. <laughs> and you know what? I could say some very mean things about you, too. <laughs> but I won't. But I won't. And then after the debate, they're like, he was like, I could have brought up the Bill Clinton stuff, but I didn't. Yeah. But I didn't. Which like, effectively is bringing Which effectively it is doing that. Also, I love how after the election, so after the debate, he just said, I won every poll. I won this poll. I won the CBS poll. I won the – it's like CBS didn't conduct a poll. Yeah. Uh, he also got the uh, endorsement of ICE, and nobody knew what ICE was when he said that. And apparently ICE is a government agency that doesn't do endorsements of anybody. <laughs> he just like, they released a statement saying they don't yeah. do endorsements? Yeah. yeah. What did you think of the debate, Shane? As someone who doesn't really follow this stuff. It's – it's pure entertainment, I would think. I don't think anyone watches that for anything else. Like, you're not really going to learn anything from the debate, right? They're just kind of rehashing shit they've said the whole time, except it's in two-hour chunks. It's just sort of a likability contest. Because no one, when it comes down to actually, like, policies on stuff, if you were to be like, I'm changing the free trade deal, and I'm, you know, going to put more money into the military, it's like nobody knows what those things are. Like, policy is kind of complicated. They just, yeah, you're there for the insults, the little clever turn. And <laughs> I like the... Um, the guy who's moderating, he's yeah, Lester like, Holt. Yeah, Lester, he's like, uh, I need to take a moment to admonish the audience. He's like, guys, we, we said no, no talking throughout. Come on, let's stick to that. When they cheer. Yeah, I, yeah. I just like admonish. Like he's warning that he's going to admonish them. <laughs> I loved it. But yeah, it, like, um, do you think that actually sways people's opinion, those things? Well, I, I, they always say that those debates, especially specifically this one, isn't necessarily for people that support Hillary or people that support Donald Trump because you're not going to change their minds. Mm-hmm. What it is is for the people in the middle. Either like what you want to do is you want to either get the people that voted for Barack Obama who won't, who aren't in the Hillary camp to now like see something in Hillary where they decide to vote for her and undecided. It's like people in the middle where basically they're going to see something that Trump says or something that Clinton says and then go, oh, that's my candidate. 
In reality, though, it's just for ratings, probably. Right? It's, like, <laughs> it's the Super Bowl of uh, I would think if you're politics. an independent and you are going to go vote, and maybe you'll abstain from voting, I can't see how you watch that and don't go, oh, I think I have to vote for Hillary if I'm going to vote. Yeah, I think you knew that going into it. That's a good point. You yeah. don't think that you needed the debate to no, figure that out? No, absolutely not. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was, my favorite political podcast is the Slate Political Gab Fest, which is weekly and it's a great show, really informative. And one of the hosts of the show, David Plotz, went on this awesome rant where he's like, when people start complaining about, oh, we're left with two terrible choices and poor us and I just, maybe I'll vote for a third party candidate because it's my duty to vote. And so that's what I'm going to do because these two terrible candidates are just giving me nothing left to choose from. It's like, no. There's one that's a totally, and this is his words, like totally anodyne, average politician that will work hard and has probably have to work twice as hard because she's a female. And she'll work within the system that has been systematically fucked up, mostly by Republicans. And then there's the other that's like the worst, you know, presidential candidate in the history of the United States, who is a total joke, who has never served anybody but himself. And you could say, well, Hillary Clinton has her own objectives. Like, sure, as does anybody else. But his degree of narcissism is like unlike any other U.S. politician. And yeah, so it's like to, to act like these two candidates are on the level of, you know, terrible is not true. Right. It's, one is objectively worse than the other. Would you say that, you know, I mean, obviously the three of us are Canadians. Would you say you know more about American politics than Canadian politics? Yeah. I'd what, say so. And what's the deal there? Do you think it's because it's so entertaining or just because we're so oversaturated by their media that we just tend to follow their politics? Is it that their politicians are bigger stars? I think it's a bit of the, the second thing you said. I think we, we get a lot of their, their news coverage. Also, it's just more juicy, right? It's like as, it's like as, the CFL versus the NFL. Like, <laughs> I know more about the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, and because it's like, and Canadian politics is uh, really polite for the most part. There's not that much scandalous stuff happens. So it's more entertaining. It's way more entertaining. The U.S., press is ruthless in like finding out the dirt on every politician and like oh one time he said this in 1990 it's like the canadian media doesn't cover their politicians in the same way but like we, that being said the rob ford thing was insane that was very american like and that's that why i think exciting. it confused a lot of canadians but since that ended it's like back to business as normal it's like john tory is just another boring canadian politician i don't know yeah well, maybe it's probably better to live uh, within a society where your politicians are boring and the status quo is just kind of like uh, mundane as opposed to what they're facing down in the States. Oh, totally. And I think uh, on either side, like Trump supporters, Hillary supporters, you know, like the, the problem is it's like half that country, something, one of those two people are going to get nominated as the president. One of those two people is going to win the election and you're going to have half the country that's going to think it's the end of the world. But yeah. it, can't, it can't be Trump. Uh, it's not looking good for him right now, but no, I stranger mean, things have since happened. Since that debate, he's unraveled, and she's up five percentage points, I think. So, I mean, it's a lot of people. It might be like the th I remember when it was between Harper and Trudeau, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's going to be like really tight," and who knows? And then the Liberals won in a landslide. It was kind of insane. I, th I personally think that's kind of going to be what happens with Hillary and Trump. I hope so. The trick is galvanizing. The people who like voted for the first time because it was Obama and getting them out again. That's like, what a lot of minorities to do. And those people yeah. are kind of sitting uh, sitting back and going, yeah, I'm not too inspired right now. Yeah, because so the idea is, right, when Obama ran, yeah. you got way more black people. Yeah, and minorities. And now it'd be way more like hillbilly type people voting than normal, right? Yeah, well, hillbillies that might be voting on, uh, that's the official term, I think, hillbillies. hillbillies yeah. uh, in the hillbilly the, demographic? Yeah, for, for the black, Republicans. white, hillbilly. <laughs> 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 and that, and this, anyone 
even use the word hillbilly yeah. anymore. This is the very reason why they vote for Republicans, because you got big My city snobs like yourself yeah, like, you, calling them hillbillies. Toronto liberals. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing to be a hillbilly. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, let's All right. Let's so, guys, on the show today, we have Banks. Yes. She's a pretty interesting artist. Yeah, uh, I've been was, a fan of hers. Yeah, it was great to get to sit down with her. Maxie, we went over the questions. What you were know, your thoughts on Banks when we, when we were you know, presented with the opportunity to interview her? Yeah, she's kind of in an interesting space uh, when it comes to like female pop stars because she doesn't fall into the category of an over-sexualized thing like in a Katy Perry or Ariana Grande kind of way. But she still kind of competes against them when it comes to the pop culture and like, you know, the standings of like female pop songstress. So uh, she definitely has an edge to her that I think a lot of those other artists don't necessarily have. And um, the one thing I will say is that you wouldn't say this, but I heard from people in the building that, you know, she had a long day of press and I think we were like last on the list and she may have been like fading a little bit as any artist would after seven interviews, but she left the mic on much interview with a big smile on her face and was in, in a great mood. Uh, she, she was cool. I, I would say like when she came in, she was definitely kind of feeling me out and kind of you know, like, uh, what's this interview going to be like? Is it going to be like more? And she had a rule, like, no, no rapid, rapid fire, no rapid questions. fire, questions. just like goofy stuff. Like, she's like, I want to have serious conversations about like music, yeah, my career. That's the impression I got, and I really felt like in the beginning it was kind of like, oh, like, let's get to know each other a bit. And then I felt as the interview went along, she warmed up and and opened up, and we actually had a, a great conversation. Do you know why she goes by Banks? I don't actually. In all her research, did we ever figure this out? I don't think we asked her. Which she's probably relieved because when people ask me, like, how did you come up with the name Arkells? I hate answering that question because I've asked her a million times. And she's probably answered that question a million times. Yeah. So we did her a favor. Yeah, I'd like to think so. We didn't just under-research. No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to get to Banks? Let's do it. How's your day been so far? Good. Cool. How long are you in Toronto for? Like a day and a half. That's it. In and out. <laughs> yeah. Just press, no shows. Mm, no, I wish I'm. I wanna. I'm. Just, you're at the weekend show. Great. The guy that has this office was. Oh, he, he's much cooler yeah. than me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got it. I opened for him that tour. Yeah. How was that? It was good. Yeah. Did you guys interact a lot? <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you find out you're getting a tour like that, what's the feeling? Well, I had toured with him before. He was. Uh, the first tour I ever went on was opening for him. So. His manager called me because we're friends. He was like, do you want to go on tour with us? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was that the first time or that was the second time? That was time? the second time. So how, So the first time when it comes about when you get a call like that, like what's going through your mind? Was that the first kind of sort of big tour you'd been on? It was my first tour. Period. Oh, it just period? Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, I don't know. It was crazy. I remember like months before because he wasn't like as massive as he is now, of course, because his career is like exploded yeah but he's he always i mean up. he's well he's always he's brilliant but like I, when i first toured with him it was like a, a little bit it was smaller than the tour i did with him the second time but i was obsessed with him already and so <laughs> i heard you know i was really excited yeah um you know i think there's a perception uh when it comes to sort of casually observing someone in your shoes we just talked about the weekend tour mm -hmm big following in the UK. You're playing the Guggenheim, mm -hmm. I saw, which is pretty yeah. insane. Um, 
Can you describe like sort of the realities of what your day to day is like when you're not touring? What's like what's home like? Well, it depends if I'm in a good place or not. <laughs> um, my dream, like when I'm like in a really good groove at home, it, like in the morning I go on like a really long walk. Like that's how I meditate is like walking, 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 walking. So I'll go on like a three hour walk, and then I'll like have a yummy breakfast, and then I'll like go to the studio and uh write make music whatever and then I don't know I like I like being around people that I love that I always miss when I'm touring when I'm home so usually hang out with Edwin who's one of my best friends and um my sister my mom my dad who are not together so separately um I don't know I'm just like a normal human who likes to eat good food and like watch good movies and go on really good walks and sometimes maybe there could be like a cool exhibit here and there yeah a museum or something do you yeah. wake up early yeah I do I wake up so early yeah yeah that's impressive like are you like a 6 a.m. riser I sometimes yeah. I hate it though <laughs> I can't do it I can't do it I yeah. try it my hardest I, I, I mean like I don't know I've never been able to sleep late I don't know how yeah you said uh, you like to watch good movies yeah. do, you, do you have a favorite favorite movie Leon the Professional's great um Beetlejuice oh my god classic yeah Winona Ryder Tim Burton anything with Winona yeah it's great did you watch Stranger Things yeah. Oh my God, I'm Did in love with the little girl. Uh, she's amazing. Yeah, she's so good. Oh, I want to be her. She's British too. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah. That whole uh, they were incredible. The kids in that show, like the main, also the who's the what's his name again? The guy who had a, not 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 Will, the guy who was kidnapped or whatever, but the Mikey, or the Mike? kid who was like best, who was like in love with Eleven. Yeah, he was. Oh fantastic. my God, I was in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> he was so cute. Yeah. His little face <laughs> yeah. yeah he was really adorable and you really rooted for him and like yeah. when him and Eleven kissed he was like yeah. yes because yeah. you know he's sort of an awkward looking kid yeah, too yeah he's so cute yeah, yeah the best um we also like on this pod like to get into sort of the minutia of how mm -hmm. creative people do their work and yeah you know I feel like the role decks of producers who I imagine would be available to you yeah um would be very vast yeah what do you look for in a collaboration when you're deciding to to create music well I need to love what they've done. You have to like really love an artist or already if you're gonna like work with them, I think. Unless somebody like, yeah, usually that's how for me it is at least. Um, but also, I don't really know the answer to that because like I, I, well I do I guess. It's I have to, if I meet somebody and like we vibe like energetically, like it's, it needs to be you need to be like my people like my tribe type thing like if I meet you and you could tell that like we click and and we're on like kind of the same wavelength and I you have to trust who you're working with like it's a really vulnerable intimate process when you make music you you I sing about like really uh personal 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 things and so um if you're not gonna like want to open up around someone you don't trust and or someone who gives you like a weird vibe or you don't feel like fully safe being the the creepiest goofiest whatever most sexiest most 
most playful, most angriest, most jealous, most everything. Most vulnerable. Side. To yeah, really just create. every every side of who I am. Like I need to be comfortable being that with who I make music with, and so I usually don't work with like like it's. I was I told my management before this album started. I was like, I want to find my tribe, like find my people, and that's going to be like who I do the whole album with because it's just so exhausting, like meeting people and having to like. Like once, you know, like you can't just like, it's like if you had 17 different therapists and you had to meet a new one every day type thing. Yeah. Every time. It's like, it, it would be like, it's not even like, it's exhausting and it wouldn't even be enjoyable. So for me, I like having like, like Tim Anderson worked on both my albums. Sone worked on both my albums. DJ Dahi I met this time around and he's just like the best. Like I just love him. Um, and some of actually some of the XO crew I worked with Danny Boy and Belly um, which was great just because we were working together like right as I was touring with him so it was just like we'd be like see you at the studio like nice (laughs) show last night like yeah (laughs) um and then John Hill and then this and Jenna Andrews I worked with as well she's from here um Do do you find it takes you a long time personally to establish that trust whether professional or personal like have you ever fallen into trust very quickly with people yeah 100 percent. oh my god with Sone, i wrote waiting game the first time i met him really yeah what, what do you think it was about that that allowed you to sort of just settle in like you can't explain it it's just kind of like you know you know it's like if you if you fall in love with someone you just do yeah. or like if you if you meet someone that you you want to hang out with you're just like it's just like a vibe like I'm super sensitive and I'm really intuitive and if I meet someone and like I feel like I'm getting like the right energies from them then that's how I know I want to like continue hanging out with them or like can want to try making music with them like when I met Jenna Andrews um she's a songwriter and I usually like I hate I write my own songs so I'm I usually like don't try and get me in with a songwriter I was gonna ask about co-writes yeah which is always I like is that a very weird thing in general well for me it's not because like when I when I work you know so and Tim like those that the people that I work with it's like I trust them they know me I know them they know what my music is to me and so if they like have a suggestion or like a melody idea and I'm in like I'm I work with people who I respect and who I'm inspired by so if they have like a something that inspires me I'm like yes like yes that melody like you know what I mean but but with Jenna I had never worked with like a like someone who like goes into like she goes into sessions with people and songwrites and I could never do that and mm-hmm. so I've never worked with like a session like songwriter someone who goes in cold and let's create something and come out of here no just like it's like kind of like you write and then you just like work you write for like a lot of different people and like i i was like that's not i never want to work with like a songwriter like that that's like always how i've been and then tim was like just meet this girl like she's so dope like just meet her like just vibe out with her and so i i was like okay and i met her and she was just so cool and, and we ended she started like playing some chords on the guitar and i like wrote a song and so i was like okay this is cool like so she's kind of like the only uh songwriter i've ever worked with and it ended up being really cool and it was just kind of like working with tim or working with Sone or something because because i'm so possessive over my music i guess like so you just have to understand each other like sometimes I would be like riffing on a melody and like a lyric would come out and then she'd be like what about this and I'd be like like don't you know what I mean because it's like when you think of something when you're like you're like it's very like fluid the process and if somebody like 
comes in and like ruins your flow kind of like you get off track and so like once like we kind of like started understanding how each other works like it was like it just became so it was like a chocolate fountain just like streaming <laughs> of deliciousness all goodness yeah <laughs> um you talk about your lyrics you know obviously they're very personal yeah i guess i wanted to ask like when you write a song have you ever held back on lyrical content because you thought it might hurt someone that you're writing about you know what's so funny is I never had to think about that initially. Like, for 10 years, I just wrote for myself, and I wrote alone, and nobody even knew about it. And then, um, snap, now it's it's something that I've started to feel strange about, to be honest. Like, my music, they're like diary entries, and it's about people that I have, like, been in love with, or have loved in the past, or, like, have had... And it's about me. It's about me. And so, like, what affects me are the people in my life and situations I've gone through, which are usually involved with other humans. And so, like, yeah. when I write now, like a song, have you heard my album? I haven't they heard the whole thing. Album? No, oh, I, I okay. didn't get the whole. Sometimes they su- yeah. The first two. Yeah. So, singles. like, Gemini Feed is about, like, a certain time in my life, certain relationship, however you want to say it, whatever. And that, I had a lot of, like, anxiety, like, putting that out. Like, it's just strange now because people hear it. And so it feels... And the subject of those songs, I'd imagine. Yeah. So I guess I had to make, like, a conscious decision. I still have to, like, all the time. Like, when I'm writing and when I'm, like, releasing music, it's like I can't change how I write. Because music, to me, it's just, like, my therapy. And so, like, I can't, like, change... Like it's my safe place and it's like if I started changing how I wrote or holding back it would like all of a sudden my safe place would be diluted by dirt or something and it just would Mm. be like less pure and I wouldn't I don't ever want to do that but it's definitely something that um, it's definitely something that I think about and have I'm not like calm and um, and settled exactly with that whole relationship of like writing something really intense and personal and then like putting it out like it's it's still something for me that has where I need to like come to terms with it fully because it's still interviews like even talking about certain songs like are is still very like uncomfortable for me sometimes of course yeah yeah I mean I guess maybe in the past it was like you would just you'd write and now it's something you have to be cognizant of I don't know if you have I don't know if I should be cognizant of it or I have to be cognizant of it but I just know I I'm more aware of it now like I used to write and I got it off my chest yeah. great that's it I wouldn't even record my shit like I would literally just write because I had to and like that's what I did but now it's like oh wow this actually is about this and like now that is gonna happen if they hear this or like <laughs> right. you know it's yeah, like yeah. it just adds a lot of different um, stressors that never really had to do with my, you know, my music is like the purest place in my life and I hate even having to like think of things like that sure. because it's just, it's just how I function. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Gemini Feed. Yeah. I, I was just interested in the line and to think you would get me to the altar. Mm-hmm. I wondered if that was from your perspective, meaning like you thought you were going to go and now you feel silly that you thought maybe the, you were going to the mm-hmm. altar or if it's the other person's perspective and you thought you would get me to the altar. Well, I don't even, sometimes, 
songs can have more than one meaning. So that sure. could also be about like, and to think you would get me to the altar, like, and to think you would get me to the altar, like I'd follow you around like a dog that needs water. Like, do you actually think that I would just follow you around like a thirsty, thirsty dog that needed water? like and and do whatever you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's that type of thing but it could it doesn't have to be like about me singing to another person it could be like about me like that song could be you could also like dive into those lyrics and say like you're passive aggressive convince me other people they don't care about me it could be about like th your own bully in your own head that's like always kind of like everybody has that voice in their head that like fucks with them too much and like certainly yeah and that it could also be about that and the altar is like your love for yourself marriage is like a lifelong love and like you should have a lifelong love for yourself for sure but if you have that voice in your head it's like sometimes you don't come from that you don't come from love for yourself and so sometimes I write things and it means one thing and then and another time in my life it means another thing and that's kind of how Gemini feed is for me um You've had sort of an interesting relationship with social media in the past, or you're yeah. just not that into it. Where does yeah. that stand now? Oh, God, it's so funny you ask that. I, <laughs> I'm having such a tough time with it right now. I hate, not with it, I just hate it. Like, I just don't like the internet. I just find it so strange and, like... Has and it always been that way? Yeah, I didn't even have any form of social media before my music started. And then once it did start, people were like, you should get an Instagram, you should get a Twitter, you should get a Facebook. And I was like, I don't want to. And so my manager and I was like, I was like, let's just give him my number. And so I like put my number on the internet. I read that, yeah. And then after that, I was like, I, now I run my own Instagram, which I actually really love. And I, you know, it's like you have to find your own relationship with things and like find your own ways to do things. And so I've definitely like... I'm into that, but I still go through stages where I'm just like, I fucking hate that I have to do this, and I hate that I have to be on the internet at all. Like, I find it so... It's like a lector. A lector <laughs> is like a word I made up about, like, just like soul-sucking, draining all the nutrition out of your skin things, or people. Like, a lector. Like, sometimes the internet is just a lector in my life. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but you, you do it. You press forward. I, I mean, I find my own. That's just. That's by the way. You're. You, you're. I guess you're asking me that on a day where I feel like really like not into it, and so I. And you're entitled to change your opinion but from day to day. Yeah. You know? So, but like also, I find my own. Sometimes I, I, fi I'm not ever going to be like that type of person who's like tweeting every day what they're eating and like, like, just like talking. It'll never be heavy engagement with the or, like that or just my there's my own type of engagement like i like to like sometimes i'll like be really in, like feel like a line that i like a lyric or something and i'll be like i need to say this and so then i'll tweet that um or you know so it is cool it's it's cool it's like a beautiful and evil thing it's like a really amazing way to connect to people and it also is like this this thing that takes you out of your present life and and sometimes it can be like really negative yeah of course yeah you'd mentioned earlier your parents aren't together yeah and you sort of somewhat famously you know wrote a, like a, a thesis paper about children yeah. and divorce yeah how do they view your success and and everything that you've done at this point my parents yeah oh my god they're so proud of me they they like can't i mean people literally when i was when I started telling people, like, I wanted to be a musician or whatever, like, their parents, they care about you. Everybody was like, you should go to law school. Like, <laughs> you should. So it's like, 
it's they're really proud of me yeah yeah and strong relationships with both yeah oh my god I'm obsessed with both of them (laughs) um I think your sound obviously it's like it's very it's got like there's a lot of R&B in there but it's also very contemporary sounding are there musical peers that you listen to right now that inspire you yeah a lot I mean you mentioned The Weeknd you're very yeah I love yeah he's amazing um Jadu Heart, I love. Um, Massive Attack. I love Kate Bush. Yeah. Um, Fiona Apple is like always. I love her. Yeah. Um, Lauren Hill. Janis Joplin. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She's like my mom's fave. Really? Oh yeah. She's brilliant. It's interesting now that I do this, you know, it's, I like, sometimes I read interviews that other people, other females that have been, like, in musicians in the public eye, sometimes I read interviews from them because it's, it's actually pretty, like, strange being, like, an artist, being a sensitive creature yeah. who's, like, f- who isn't, like, I mean, I feel like I'm nuts sometimes, and, like, and really sensitive and sometimes I don't even feel like I'm cut out for this business and so sometimes I I, f- I, wa- I read interviews of other women who have because most people who create who need to create are that's a certain type of person and so like sometimes I'll read other interviews from other people who create who is that type of person and, it, and it's like oh fuck you felt like this too okay cool yeah I'm you not losing it yeah it's because it's a strange thing to have to like talk about your diary entries and sing them in front of thousands of people and and then sometimes have people saying not the greatest things and it's just a it's like a you have to you have to you have to have thick skin and you have to be really feel really powerful and you have to be centered and sometimes when you're exhausted it's hard to be centered and so it's nice to like sometimes look at other people who have done this before read interviews that Fiona Apple has had read Bjork read you know, Kate Bush, read Janis Joplin, read stuff like that, and then say, like, okay, you've gone through this, and and you felt similarly, maybe, and that makes me feel a little bit calmer about it. Mm -hmm. It seems like right now is a pretty good time to be, you know, a strong female independent singer or front woman yeah um but like what are parts of being a female in this industry that are still difficult and like are there things that you'd like to see improve specifically yeah (laughs) i mean it took a long time for me to understand that i was the boss interesting i mean people sometimes i think women think that they're being a are made to feel like they're being emotional or hysterical when they just say what they want. And that's something that you have to, like, overcome and be like, no, this is what I want, and that is a fact, and that's not emotional, and that's what's going to happen because this is my face, this is my body, this is my mind, this is my music, this is my ass, this is my, like, everything, you know? Like, and so that takes a lot of strength, and I think learning that is actually part of, like a new empowerment that I felt writing this album um there's like uh, I guess 
taking control having control feeling like you have control and that it's okay and and it's okay to take control is like a really empowering thing and you have to you have to kind of overcome other people's opinions of you because as a woman that can be really difficult well you mentioned that like when you do a video like fuck with myself how involved are you in the creative it's such a visually striking video and there's so many interesting oh my god everything i do is like like is that your concept is that like it's like if i i mean what like a lot of times it's my concept a lot of times it's me like being like i really want to work with this person and then should i meet with them and then i meet with them and then i tell like we talk about what the song was about like that fuck with myself i created with philippa price who's incredible this this woman um and we met she came to the studio when i was writing and i played her some of the album and we talked and i told her what like the song meant to me and what like the concepts i told her like i feel like in the past i've hid my face so we were like it would be cool to have a video where i was literally had like 700 different faces everywhere and then we were like well what if we put masks on on people of your face what if like we made a prosthetic version of your face and you were interacting with yourself like so it's kind of like when you find people that inspire you and that really get you like philippa price really gets me it's like you're able to create something together and there doesn't need to be any like one owner of of this like creative little baby you birthed she's the mother and i'm the mother you know like joint custody yeah (laughs) but i think in terms of like creative control like that's mine like i it's i'm i am jillian you said you're the boss i'm the boss like it's 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 my music you know and and I am not like a, one of those. I'm not like, I mean, I'm not like a puppet. Like I, I make my own, I make my own stuff. And so, and I, and I have like when I make stuff, I, I have like a, I, I need to express something. And I have so, I have such. It's like I'm possessive and protective over what I do because I want it because it's mine. It's like the the most mine thing that I have, like, so. When I'm creating, it needs to be, it needs to be mine, and I can share it with people that I, that I'm inspired by, and people who are really passionate. We can like share, but it's it's always mine. Welcome to everybody's favorite part of the episode, the dessert, where we invite our pop culture aficionado and good friend Shane Cunningham on. Shane, what is going on? Well, I've I started seeing movies again. Oh wow! <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Well, somebody, after somebody, last week's debacle of a story. Uh, I'm sorry. What, about you don't that. want to tell them more about our baseball league and. Well, uh, don't go there. No. Okay. Somebody tweeted. It's like I liked how Shane started. Well, he's about to review a movie, and then he just talked about getting drunk and being very hungover at Mike's wedding. Yeah, I'm trying to get back into the uh, the movie game. Okay. So even though the nut told me not to tell this story for some reason. <laughs> oh, we're getting a, a, a story that the nut does not want told on air. It's not even bad, though. That's what... I think he just doesn't... Maybe this story makes him look bad, uh-huh. but the nut said this would make the Toronto International Film Festival look bad. <laughs> so he's worried about the overall... Which I don't see. Uh, he has relationships there. You have to tread, tread carefully. But I guess uh, every year, the nut gets me tickets to... Toronto International Film Festival. We'll call it TIFF for short. We'll call it TIFF. <laughs> Every year the net gets me tickets uh, to TIFF. And and I'm, I'm he never offers me tickets, by the way. Do you ever get offered nope. tickets, Matt? Yeah, it's only you. Well, I'm known as the movie guy. Yeah, that's true. The, I'm the pop culture aficionado. <laughs> 
as everyone who listens to this knows. But I find with the nut, the more you hate on him, the more it's like a push-pull relationship. Uh. So lately, it's been a little contentious between us. So he's coming to me more than ever. <laughs> and he's been like, don't you find he's been a lot nicer in general? He's, yeah, like, the he's in a good place are, right now. Insults are down. Everything. He's like and a beacon of positivity lately. He is, and I'm trying to. Like, I hate conflict. I don't like conflict with my friends. So, the nut is like, I'm going to get you tickets for this movie, Christine. It's about Christine Chabak, who I'm sure you guys know is a news reporter who blew her brains out live on TV. On air, yeah. In what, the 70s or the... Yeah. yeah. The footage has never seen the light of day, anything, but this movie's all about that. So, the nut and I have this odd fascination with people killing themselves in air, like Bud Dwyer, faces of death, people getting hit by trains. It's a weird thing, but the nut and I are fascinated with life and death I'm, I'm all excited to see this movie of course the tickets fall through oh then he says hey you know what i want uh i want the four of us to go like a, a double date him and his girlfriend me and my wife to see the movie loving so i look it up it's from the director of uh, midnight special and mud yeah love midnight special and mud so i'm very excited to see this movie he goes okay i'm getting the tickets it's gonna work out four of us are gonna go Great. I'm excited. Then he's like, hold off on that. Actually, I might not be able to get them. I'm like, cool. It's fine. Like, whatever. Then he says, I think I can get them, but it might cost money. I was like, oh, how much? He's like, oh, maybe 30 bucks or something. Debating it. Just bought a house. Just got married. Debating paying $60 for these tickets. But I say, okay, 30 bucks. I'll do it. Anyway, go to Mike's brunch because... Uh, oh, you, the, the rehearsal brunch for the wedding. Mike held this like opulent rehearsal brunch and you know there was like uh, open bar etc all my wife i didn't so do anything. that was the that was an afternoon thing but after that i was supposed to go to this tiff film or get the word at least if he had acquired the tickets i have four beers feel not really feeling like going to see the film to be honest even if it was free after your brunch thing yeah it's kind of just tired it's, it was a sunday too it's a sunday i've had a couple beers you're in hamilton yeah. this thing is in toronto and uh, Mike just gave me these sunglasses, so I'm feeling good. Like uh, they were like 150 dollars sunglasses. Yeah. Mike Mike just gave me for being a groomsman who did nothing. Yeah. So I just want to kind of like go home, chill, enjoy my sunglasses, whatever. <laughs> just, just basking, you know. sitting on his couch in his sunglasses. <laughs> that new sunglass feeling, you guys know. <laughs> then uh, the nuts like got got the tickets, uh, 75 dollars each. Whoa, whoa! So I'm like, oh. Thanks, but no thanks. Like, <laughs> and he's like, uh, "Sorry, bro, you got to pay. I've already, I've already got him. No choice." So, what, what do you do in that situation? That is very like. Awkward. I'm trying not to have conflict. I'm furious at the nut. I want to kill him. Like, <laughs> like Mike, what would you do in that scenario? Oh, that's a tough one. I yeah. I mean, he kind of. It's like you thought you were, you thought you were agreeing to thirty dollars tickets. Mm-hmm. Seventy five dollars is a very significant jump. It's more than double. So when you factor in your wife's ticket as well. So that he should, I basically just paid for the sunglasses that you gave me for free. <laughs> that so that, so that's you know if you look at the bright side, then you're even now. It's all good. In, in you mean in life? In the life. The life. I know, but I want to get ahead when I get a gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you know what? Actually, here's what he should have done. The minute he knew that the tickets would, co- he should have asked you, "Hey, yeah, this is what that, they're going to cost." That's very obvious. But he probably put in a call or a favor and just said, I'll take them no matter what. And then he probably was like, oh, shit. It's an awkward scenario, too, because a guy like The Nut provides us with so many free tickets. He really does. This is why I think you just have to go. You have to eat it. I just say we're taking a bath on this. 
I go for all those times you end up in Share Club yeah. or you're at a Raptors game. That's what you're paying for this yeah. time. So then I have to, you know, go on the the go bus. What's that? Twenty bucks. Then I have to go to <laughs> go to this go to a restaurant. It was like a hundred bucks. <laughs> so I'm out getting drinks, more money, more money. <laughs> then, <laughs> if you could see the look on Shane's face right now, yeah, I don't have a lot of money right now. The movie too. It's like you know how sometimes how you like a movie is the mood you're in when you go to see it. Oh, totally. Like when I go to the movies with my friend Matt, if we can successfully sneak in a burrito, we're feeling really good about or, ourselves. Or if you go to like super bad yeah. on a Friday night and it's full of teenagers and you're laughing at every moment. Or if you see it on a, a Tuesday night and the theater's empty, it, don't. movies don't have that same energy. Are you saying that the movie Loving for free might be great, but the movie Loving for $75 a ticket <laughs> isn't as enjoyable? I'm, I'm in a horrible mood at this point. And the movie, it's not like Mike Jeff Nickel, I believe his name is. He's uh, a sci-fi expert. All of his movies have a sci-fi element. This one is a little bit of a departure because it's about uh, an interracial couple. It's all about race in like the 50s. So, oh, and it's starring uh, Joel Edgerton. Yeah, who you love. Yeah, so it had it had the markings of what would be a good movie, and it, I don't know, it got ninety one percent of Rotten Tomatoes. But the the it's such a boring film. Mm. It's insanely boring. Like it doesn't have enough conflict. It's one of those movies where you're actually like rooting for the racists. <laughs> <laughs> no, just because, just for something to happen. Just because you you want to have that feeling like oh that those racists they're so mean, and then oh they really got it handed to him in the end. But the racists are like, oh, you can't marry that black girl. And then he's like, I'm doing it. And then he does it. And then they're like, well, get out of this town or you're going to get in big trouble. So he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> then then the kid get they have babies. And the kid gets in a car accident. You think the kid's dead. You're like, oh, the kid just died. The kid's fine. Uh, the woman's like, I don't like all these cars. Let's go back to the racist town. They go back to the racist <laughs> town. It's like, oh, you're in trouble now. It's like, uh-oh. Then they have a trial to see if he's in trouble, and then they don't get in trouble. And the movie just ends. No real conflict. They're not even, like, super racist like you'd think. And then it just ends. And, but, and Nick Kroll's there <laughs> being a total weirdo the whole movie. Like, Nick Kroll's a comedic yeah, actor. Yeah, of course. You think this was going to be a big dramatic turn. He's just a ridiculous southern lawyer doing a horrible accent the whole film. And you don't like him. And you, don't, you know how you, you want to like the lawyer who's fighting for the interracial couple. Like, yeah. You didn't really like anyone, so it was kind of a... Wasn't there a moment, though, when they won this landmark case that made it legal for them to be married and have children? They didn't even go into the trial. Just when it goes to the trial, it dips to black. It's like, they won the case. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, the light, everyone gives it a standing ovation. The nut stands up. He's like, best film I've ever seen. And the lights are all on the, uh, the, the actors who are sitting right beside us, and they're all standing up. So it was kind of cool in that, but I was really fed up with the day at that point. <laughs> Did you give it a standing O? No, I just sat down. I, I was. <laughs> you were the only guy sitting in a room standing up giving. And these... I was wearing, I was the only person wearing like a tank top in the audience <laughs> and stuff. My, and my hair was a mess. And like, I don't, people were upset by my presence for some reason. Um, for some reason. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was. Now, my, do you think if you were to experience. see it under under different circumstances, if you had someone pay for your meal, if you didn't have to pay for a go bus, the tickets were covered, mm -hmm. you'd feel you'd you'd view that movie differently. It's possible. That's why I said uh -huh. the mood matters. But I couldn't imagine anyone liking this film. So, but I check around tomatoes, ninety one percent. What'd your wife think? I feel like she feeds off my energy, so uh -huh. she was. I don't think she loved it. Right. There there wasn't any uh, good emotional moments in it, but I did see. 
because I'd like to talk about good movies too. Like, yeah. when I rip one, I saw a good movie called Gringo. Gringo, who's in it? Yes, it's a documentary on the guy who you you know uh, in the nineties you get a computer that had the McAfee virus. McAfee software. Oh, yeah. McAfee yeah. software, antiviral software. Yeah, that movie. This guy's like John McAfee. It's oh, a crazy well. documentary on him. Is it on Netflix? It's yes. on demand. Actually, you get the oh, movie. Good. Okay, I'll check it out. Uh, on Bell Five, I believe. Oh, there you go. Yeah, uh, shout out. So it's on demand. Uh, He's like a billionaire murderer, like gangster. Whoa. He starts out as like a software. Can you don't say anything more. I don't want yeah. anything more. Um, hey, did everybody see The Night Of? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Let's talk yeah. about it. Talk about a show that starts out amazing. Yeah. One of the best pilots I've ever seen. Yeah. And then turns into like this joke of a show. Like kind <laughs> of like. That far. I you like know? It. You, Do you think the, the, what's the main character's name? Not Adnan. Nas. 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 You think he needed <laughs> to say not Adnan? <laughs> That's cereal. <laughs> you think he needed to shave his head, smoke crack, and get a tattoo? Yeah, that's like a basically drastic. all at the same time. Yeah, you wonder like because I know he's sort of pledging his allegiance to that one dude in jail, but did he have to go whole hog? It's like there's a chance you might get out of this. It's like just hang tight for another like six months before you get neck tattoo. And I all hate of a sudden neck he's tattoos. ripped and intimidated. And he's, he's doing like the fastest push-ups in the they world. They were showing that's how he has to survive. I, I know, he was I get like it. A chameleon. I guess, I guess so. Or maybe they're trying to let you know that maybe he is capable of this. And the lawyer transporting the cocaine in her that was ridiculous. <laughs> she <laughs> that's, like she's ever ever gonna do that that felt that rang super untrue like her whole character arc felt wonky to me if that was a male lawyer and a hot like female inmate i'd believe it a lot more you believe he'd put cocaine up his ass <laughs> yes that's more believable that in the ass is like the same danger level <laughs> no but i'm saying so you're saying like if it you think if it's a hot inmate a guy would be more likely to uh, yeah, smuggle drugs in guys will do crazy the, yeah because guys are women by the how are more rational you'd think yeah, than that. But uh, but I like the way that ended. Did you not? Were you not satisfied? What, that he with still the likes crack. <laughs> <laughs> that that made me sad. Actually, yeah. I was Aww. hoping he turned his life around. Did but... you cry? We heard about you crying last week. No, I did not cry in that one. <laughs> no, um, but I love John Tortorello's, uh Who? What's, who? <laughs> what's his name? Tortorello. Tortorello. John Tortorello. John Tortorello was the best part of the show. He was great. He was amazing. I like the way it ended. I like the fact that. The district attorney, it was, it was sort of revealed to them that, okay, maybe this isn't actually the person, like mm -hmm. the, the the lawyer, and that, you know, she didn't have, she wasn't going to like keep pressing on if she didn't, if, if the jury couldn't make a decision. She's like, you know, we're dropping the case. Do you think that the inmate and the lawyer have a relationship after the show? Like the actors? Like in real life? No. <laughs> in the show? No. We, no. So you smuggle the cocaine through the pussy. You risk your job. And then you don't even end up having a meaningful relationship with him. Yeah, no. That's that's so. I think she's got to work on building her life back. She got fired at the yeah, end. Yeah, and what she gonna, she's going to be hanging out with this guy who's got no money, whose family is like doesn't like. Like she's a he was like, in prison and she was busting moves on. him. I though. know, but but she was so close to the case. Yeah, her emotions were all conflicted. But now she wanted to do anything to win. Right? Yeah, yeah. They're that, not getting together. That show was a huge disappointment. No, I like the way that. Really? Yeah. A show I do like is Quarry. I don't know that one. Mike's emulating his look, I believe, based on that show. <laughs> Is that true or false? We'll Mike? post Confirm the photo of Mike, uh, Mike's new facial hair. That's I false. I had my hair before the show came out. I know. And then I said, watch this show. It'll motivate you to keep your hair for the wedding. You did, and now you're growing cool facial hair. So you recommend Corey, though. we got to wrap this up. <laughs> I just want Mike to confirm or deny. <laughs> I, uh, since I've been married, I've stopped shaving, so I've got some patchy facial hair. All right. I got my headphones on from the minute I'm on to the minute I go to bed.
that's it. That's all. That's our episode. Want to thank Banks. Want to thank Shane Cunningham and Pasquale. Pasquale, oh, yeah. first episode, my man. Thanks for coming uh, right after class. And uh, a huge thank you to Jenna Gregory, uh, who provides the the doodles for the show. You can find more of her stuff at jennasdoodles.com. I really want to implore all of our listeners to rate the show on iTunes. Leave us a comment. This stuff really helps. So do that. And also tell your friends about the show. Say, hey, you commute every day? Is that commute suck? Does it is it boring? Listen to the mic on much. You have to do that verbatim. Just tell me. Yeah, to, to yeah exactly like that. The Mike and Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend.